welcome to How Fitting, the podcast for fashion designers and entrepreneurs about creating clothing and growing a business that fits your customer, lifestyle, and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Before we get started, do you want to get your designs to production without compromising your brand's fit, vision, or values? My pattern making services are tailored to help women's wear slow fashion brands do just that. You can learn more and book a free introduction call at howfittingpatterns.com to see if we'd be a good fit to work together. Now on to the episode. Today I'm joined by Jay Arbitman of the Sourcing District. So welcome, Jay. Hi, Allison. How are you? I'm doing good. For people who are meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do in fashion? Sure. So what I I'm a sales agent, basically. I'm a sales representative for quite a number of fabric and garment construction necessity suppliers. So mm-hmm. about 10 of them right now. And they I do everything from dollar fifty a yard linings to thirty-five dollar a yard very specific organic cottons that are domestically made and so on. So a wide range of prices. Yeah. And all of my I specialize in working with independent designers who are going to want to sample five or ten or twenty yards or whatever and then mm-hmm. come back and buy the same thing. So the, the companies I represent all have continuity. That's key. It, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, and for anyone who is listening and doesn't know what that means, that basically continuity basically means you can get your swatches, get some samples made, test out the fabric over you know a series of several months, and you know get your development done before buying your bulk production fabric and know that you can go back six months later and you still get that same fabric and same color and all that. Right. You know, Allison, there are fabrics that I've been selling for more than a dozen years, some. Now, you know, they add colors or they take away colors, but quite a few of quite a bit of what I've offered has been a constant and Mm -hmm. it's allowed designers to do quite a bit of product development and even come back a year or two years later and buy into that fabric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the big differences between, well, other than pricing of working with a wholesale supplier versus retail, buying something at retail. Well, I've always thought buying in a retail store was the biggest mistake that mm-hmm. a indie designer can make who wants to work commercially. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the best price. You're going to, you'll never know you don't always know the content of the goods. There's a lot of things that are left out. And then, of course, you're not going to get continuity. So you can't develop any. If you sell something and you want to come back and do it again, you, you may not be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And when you've invested all that time and money into developing something, you want to make sure you can sell enough of them to make a profit off of it. Right. You know, that doesn't happen on everything you do. But mm-hmm. when you get an item that finds acceptance, you're going to want to take advantage of that. And of course, you're going to need to be able to go back and, and, and buy that fabric again. And uh, the suppliers that I represent for the most part uh, offer that. Awesome. So yeah, you work with about 10 different suppliers. So what types of fabrics and other 
you know, trims and accessories do these suppliers have? Like, do you specialize in a certain type of material or it's kind of a little bit of everything? Yeah, it's not quite a little bit of everything. It's more what I don't do. Uh, I don't do much with silk. I don't do much with lace. I don't do anything with fake furs. I don't do anything with furs. I don't do anything with leather. But in knits, for example, I do everything from lower-priced polyester knits to merino wool knits. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so anything from... 375 a yard on to $33 a yard and everything in between. Uh, oh. A lot of what I do is, we, well, we certainly have a big nod towards sustainability. And so a lot of the fabrics that we represent are sustainable. Not all of them, probably about 65, 70% of them. Are. Oh, wow. That's pretty and, good percentage. And uh, in wovens, again, a lot of uh, organic cotton, a lot of lyocell, a lot of model, uh, a lot of sustainable fibers. And then um, some things that are in wool blends, you know, a, a pretty wide variety there. And then a big presentation of woven polyester. So any kind of satin, taffeta, fawn, organza, all of that, I have all of that. A lot of a complete presentation in performance fabrics, including power mesh. And then as far as other garment construction necessities, I do a lot with interfacing. I do a lot with muslin. I do a lot with elastic, bias binding, cordage. You know, I offer a very wide variety of of fabrics, though I would say Price point wise, I think people would look at me as being moderate to better or moderate to bridge. I'm not really a couture type of offering. I don't mm-hmm. really, you know, offer those special Italian fabrics that are going to be $86 a yard. That, that's not what I do. Yeah, it sounds like you, I mean, maybe kind of the taffetas and the chiffons and stuff are, you know, like I'm thinking bridesmaids, perfect for bridesmaids dresses kind of thing but other than that it sounds like mother of the bride party Mm -hmm. dresses also in that same category i do a lot with some of these fabrics are have a fire resistant quality and they're used by event planners believe it or not yeah i can see that like Mm -hmm. tablecloths and and draperies and stuff yeah all of that right right and then uh, if you've also uniform companies buy from me Mm-hmm. I think that's a segment where it's like such a huge part of the industry that is often forgotten in the fashion world that, you know, somebody is designing and making these uniforms. You know, Allison, what I've learned from doing this for quite a few years now is that there are many applications for the fabrics that I have. I have people who make uh, dog coats um, at different kinds of like a compression sleeve, a sunblock type of of tops and beach wear, golf wear, tennis wear, and of course, just ready to wear and fashion wear Mm -hmm. that goes everything from extremely chic to pretty basic. And of Mm -hmm. course, a lot of sustainable fabrics. That's, there's a lot of organic cotton, a lot of, which is 10 cells, name, just a, a lot of uh, easy to wear and easy to wash fabrics too. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's great. You have like such a wide selection of nice fabrics. So if a designer, like they have their design, they're looking for some fabric, can you walk us through what is the process of sourcing a fabric with you? Like what do they need to kind of have prepared before first meeting with you? Well, first of all, this will sound uh, um, a bit odd, but um, a lot of times when people call me, what I don't get is a a very good introduction. I don't, Mm. people just start asking me questions and don't really introduce themselves. So I want to know where they're from. I want to know what they want that that end product to look like. That Mm -hmm. can be very helpful to me. Mm So if somebody's saying, you know, hey, I'm going to make caftans or I'm going to make swimwear or cover-ups, I mean, there's some basic things that are very helpful. And then many times I'll work with somebody over the telephone using my websites and the websites for that a variety of suppliers have and identify some things that might be interesting. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to get some color cards in your hands. That's the first step. If you've got those color cards or if you're pretty well honed in on what will work for you, Mm -hmm. then we try to supply you with five or 10 yards or whatever the minimum is so you can make samples. And that's a very important, as as you know, in your work. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really important process. That's, and you can't, you can't leave that behind. I mean, you have to work on that. And it doesn't always work perfectly the first time. Sometimes you need to source fab- or source more than one fabric and see what comes out the best. Mm-hmm. So those five yard purchases are really important. And mm-hmm. um, the uh, suppliers that that I one of the things about suppliers that I represent is I want it make it easy to get those five, ten yards, or twenty yards, whatever it is that that that's readily accessible. That's very important. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I worked with, you know, a lot of my clients kind of follow that exact process. They get the color card, they, you know, select which fabric they want, and we get it in some sample yardage in a light color and test it out. And maybe they decide, oh, maybe I want to try a different one. Hopefully the, you know, the first one works well for their design if we've kind of looked at the swatches and picked the best option ahead of time. But yeah. Sometimes they'll might swap it out or design on a different color after we do the sample, and then they'll you know go back and order their production yardage. Right. So you know, I actually don't discourage anybody from buying more than one five yard cut and looking at two or three samples of mm-hmm. you know what they're trying to do. I I don't think that's a bad way to work. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can get like. I had a conversation with somebody the other day about this of, you know, what if we've got five or six fabrics and we can't decide, do we do a sample on all of them? And my recommendation was like, get some fabric of all of them. You might not want to, you know, pay for a sample in all six, but narrow it down to like two, maybe three, if you really can't decide, but pick your top two and then actually make the garment because you don't want to, you know, be making dozens of samples just to pick fabric, but seeing, you know, a yard or so in your hand can tell you a lot about the fabric and then you can wash it. It, and it certainly it can. And sometimes those fabrics that you sample or those color cards that you get come in handy down the road. Mm-hmm. So it, one of the things I like to see designer entrepreneurs do 
is to build up a little bit of a library of color cards and because there are things you're going to come back to and refer to over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a little bit of a, a library of I bet you do. Yeah, and it's I'm looking at them all the time, even just to compare like weights on things. If somebody's like, which weight would be better? And I don't have a swatch of that fabric, but I can at least kind of look at other ones and be like, oh, I think this range would be good right. to you know, get a swatch of. Awesome. So it sounds like you can work with people kind of remotely, even if they aren't available to come to your showroom or see you at a trade show. What is the best way to be able to see fabrics in person, but also if you can't kind of travel to, I know you're outside of Chicago. Um, yes, how, I know Park, Illinois. So designers come here from all, literally all over the country. Mm -hmm. We had people from Boston, New York, Colorado. I mean, really all over Texas. But I have a pretty, I have two pretty complete websites. So sometimes working with somebody on the phone and working with the website does help us get color cards in your hands that are meaningful or make some of your decisions a little easier because you see what the possibilities are. Now, sometimes somebody comes to me over the phone. Okay. And it, this doesn't happen often, but it does happen once in a while. And you just know that this is a person that would be better off being here in person. Mm -hmm. That working with the website and working with color cards, just for whatever their learning style is, might not work as well. So I see customers all the time. Certainly anybody that comes in from out of town, I'm going to be as accommodating as possible. So I've seen people on weekends and evenings and all kinds of times. And, um, you know, I probably see two or three people a week in my showroom, but I work with quite a few people on the telephone or through Zoom calls. Okay. Nice. That's nice to have the option. I, I feel like this is one area where designers kind of of all kind of levels and industry backgrounds, there are, you know, advantages for sure being able to see the fabrics in person and look at them. You know, if you're new, especially to the industry and you don't quite know how to describe the fabric you're wanting or aren't sure what fabric you want, like being able to touch the swatches is really helpful. Right. And even, you know, if you know what you want and you just, you know, can't make it up to visit you, you can at least you know, give you a call, it sounds like, and order that way if you're, you know what you're looking for. So, and as you and I know, there are, I, I come to St. Louis usually once a year and show mm -hmm. fabric there at some kind of either an event that just features me or you and I have done things, you know, with other people uh, mm -hmm. in, in exhibits and so on. I do want to say, I'm going to kind of give a little plug for something here. Okay. April 3rd and 4th, there is a show in Nashville. Look, going to trade shows is great. Mm -hmm. But going to a New York or a Los Angeles trade show is very expensive. You know, yeah. by the time you get done with the three or $400 hotel room, driving to New York and LA is not always practical from everywhere in the country. Nashville is, I, I just booked a, a flight down there for $65. So I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. And I got a, basically a studio apartment for three nights for less than $500. So it's much cheaper to stay. 
And, you know, you don't want to spend your money on parking and hotel rooms. You want to spend it on fabric. So this is really a good trade show. You, you, it's thetextileshow.com, or you can look on my website, thesourcingdistrict.com. And I think that's going to be a really good event. A lot of key suppliers, all my things will be there. Kendor will be there as a separate entity. So will Mick and the label and hang tag guys. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be an exciting show, and it's in a great location. And again, a much less expensive location than going to New York or Los Angeles. Yeah, I'll definitely put a link to those in the show notes for anyone interested in going to that show. I was looking at it the other day, and I won't be able to make those dates, unfortunately, but I was like, dang it, I really want to go. Yeah. The, the other thing about it is there is a swath of suppliers that are just signing up right now that have not been listed yet. So it'll, it'll be, be very show. interesting. Yeah. So yeah, cuz cuz you show at a number of shows around the country and you know travel and visit different cities too as well, right? Well, I tend to do a lot of my own setups. So in Indianapolis, Minneapolis, St. Louis, I go to Denver, I go to Austin, Texas, and other places. I mean, I've shown all over the country. Mm-hmm. And so every summer I try to put out a little travel plan. And this year, there's also, it appears that there's also going to be a show in Chicago in May. So that hasn't been announced yet. You you have, Allison, you have yourself a little exclusive here. (laughs) Awesome. I'm going to try to go to that one then. Yeah, that's going to be, I believe, I think the dates are May 10th and 11th. And it's a very, it's a little different kind of event. There's going to also be people on your end of the business that are going to be exhibiting. There's a scissors supplier. There's, uh, I think, a thread supplier. I mean, there's some different different things going on, aside from just fabric and garment construction necessities. So that's going to be an exciting new event. And I think that's what people are looking for. You know, they're looking mm-hmm. for something that's a little more local or at least regional. You know, if you've got to fly to New York and stay in a hotel room and walk two or three different shows you're looking at three or four days it's going to be extremely expensive Mm -hmm. and those shows are often really big and you know for a lot of independent designers there's a lot of manufacturers and suppliers that just aren't in the aren't what they're looking for or aren't kind of what they need in terms of minimums or price range or fabric quality. And so I feel like these smaller shows are often more more curated for the type of suppliers and, you know, businesses that, like, it's, yeah, it's more specialized in, in kind of this area that, like, okay, if one of these suppliers is going to work well for your, for that business, a lot of them are going to be, you know, very similar in terms of how so they work. every one of the suppliers that's going to be at the show in Nashville is sampleable and appropriate for somebody making domestically or in North America. Every one of them is going to make sample yarded available. Mm -hmm. Look, you know, when you go to like a show where you see a lot of um, Asian suppliers or offshore suppliers, Mm -hmm. and they're going to say, yeah, we have really low minimums, you know, 600 meters of a color. Well, you're not looking for that when you're, mm-hmm. you know, when you're just getting started or even like any one role for production. Yeah, that's yeah. something that's down the road. You're not going to be looking at those kind of quantities for a couple of years. So 
it's really important <clears throat> to find suppliers that want your business and that make you know make business possible and and that's why this trade show in Nashville is really exciting yeah it sounds like it will be so kind of what you said a minute ago made me think of a question of the suppliers that you represent like are a lot of them kind of made in the USA fabrics or warehoused in the USA or made overseas? What is maybe the breakdown of the types of fabrics that you represent? Everybody is warehoused in North America. Okay. Everybody has what's called an FOB point, freighted on board. It's where it's shipped from mm -hmm. in the United States. So you are not importing anything. Everything is shipped from the United States. I do represent one Canadian supplier, Kendor Textiles, that's in Vancouver, but their shipping point is Blaine, Washington. Okay. I represent a lot of different companies that have, you know, I represent 10 companies and they do things 10 different ways. <laughs> I just started working with Tuscarora Mills, which is a domestic weaver in Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Very hard to find woven goods that's made domestically. Yeah. This is going to be really a, a key supplier for someone who really wants to make a Made in USA product. Mm -hmm. I also represent sextet knits that are made in the United States also. Mm -hmm. So I have a woven and a knit component that are made in the United States. Most of my labels and hang tags are made in North Carolina. But lots of other things that I do. Kendora's products are made in China and Taiwan though they're stocked in North America and shipped out of the United States. Art Gallery is mostly made in Korea, ships out of Florida. Oriel Textile is, for the most part, offshore sourcing, shipped out of New York. Same with Guide Fabrics. Uh, but all of them do make sampling easy. So as a line gets less expensive, the minimums may be a little higher. So Oriole is the one, he has a 25-yard minimum. Mm -hmm. But he, he's got, you know, $1.50 lining, $3 a yard satins, uh, $2.65 chiffons. I'm not sure that uh, selling a lot of five-yard cuts would be a practical thing to do at those prices. Yeah, the shipping and, and kind of handling of an order is more time and effort than the cost of the order right, if it was right, small. Right, yeah. right, very true. That makes sense. Yeah, that's good to know. So easy sampling, easy shipping, don't have to worry about import duties and all of that with the suppliers you represent. Most of them also, I would say, now things can get busy or whatever, but most of the time people ship within a day. Yeah, I've gotten stuff from Kendor that like ridiculously fast, like faster than me shipping something to Kansas from St. Louis, you know? You know, and, and what it is, Allison, is very simple. They want your business. That, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. and, and, they, and they're willing to earn it. And other good suppliers, that's, that's what they're doing. Nice. Okay, so, yeah, so designers, I, I think another good question, too, is... That I hear from people is like, you know, how long is it going to take fabric sourcing? And you and I know it takes a while usually to find the right fabric. But in, in your experience, like, how long does it usually take? Like, how long should a designer expect from kind of maybe their first visit to you when they're just kind of picking out some swatches to, to take home and look at 
to when they're typically placing like a sample order. Yeah. So I would say, Allison, that if you visit me and you pull a blank, and then generally I'll send you to another person who does something similar to what I do. There's only mm -hmm. one or two others. If you can't find what you're looking for, that's not a good sign, actually. Mm. That sometimes people are trying to find the holy grail of fabric and they waste a lot of time and it's just not available. So everything is not available. Everything in your mind that you can make up is not available because again, even if the fabric exists overseas, you need a situation where you can get that five or 10 yard sample, where you can come back and buy, say, 50 yards for a little small batch production, and then you get a little demand and you buy 100 or 200. You know, it, mm -hmm. it, it's something that you need a lot of flexibility to be able to build a business behind your sewn products. And so if you don't see it with me and maybe four or five other suppliers, you might be looking for something that you're not going to find. That is not a... It is not completely unusual that someone comes to me looking for something that doesn't exist. And many times they're trying to accomplish something that can be done perfectly well with what does exist. But, you know, it's so a lot of people have come to me like with cottons, not really knowing that Lyocell or Modal exist. They, and they want to be sustainable, not really knowing about flax and linens and so on, you know. Mm -hmm. And so once they get a look at what's out there, what's available, then they're able to refocus their desires. And a lot of times then we find fabrics that just work great for them. That's a great point of, yeah. So, so maybe here's a question for you then. What questions do you wish designers would ask that they often aren't asking, or at least aren't asking initially? That's a good question. Well, let me just say this. I think that there's a certain baseline knowledge. If you're gonna, if you're gonna make product, um, and there's a certain baseline of knowledge that you want to have, you want to understand what a marker is. You want to understand what grading is. You want to understand. You don't have to be able to make a pattern but you kind of have to understand it. So you're mm -hmm. not buying a 43 inch fabric trying to make a skirt with a big sweep. Yeah. So I, I think that also understanding what weight works for what you're doing. Now, look, you know, it used to be, you think of bottom weight, you think of six, eight, 10 ounces, you know, there's, you can be more flexible. Sometimes it's heavier, sometimes it's lighter, but, uh, just have an understanding of using a fabric that's appropriate for your design. So if if you're if you're making something that you want to see a little tailoring in, then you don't want to use a real drapey jersey fabric that that where details aren't going to necessarily work as well. You know, I would just say getting yourself a little bit of a textile and a garment education, which I'm always glad to help with. I'm sure you're the same way. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm always, but you want to ask, understand, what is the difference between all these different fibers? What do they do? You know, we used to have a saying, which I'll translate into English and clean up. I grew up in the coat business. 
And I used to hear my dad and uncle say something that amounted to, when you start with junk, you end with junk. So if you're using not very good fibers, you're going to end up with not very good fabric. If you're making, and I think the other thing is, when you're looking at knit fabrics, you have to be much fussier about the quality. You can yeah. buy woven fabrics that are three, four dollars a yard that are very nice. But knit fabrics, you're going to spend some money on if you want to if you want to make a quality product. Yeah. So when it comes to fabrics, do you like would you say you get what you pay for or with knits, you get what you pay for? Well, sometimes <laughs> and it depends what you want to pay for. So if you want made in the USA, sustainable, you know, something with a little bit of weight to it, you're going to pay for that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to be a $10, $20, $30 fabric, depending on a lot of the details. Yeah. If you want a Rand spandex jersey, it's not going to be as expensive. It can be very nice, can still be good, you know, but it's, it's not going to be as unique. It just depends on, first of all, there's a big world of selection out there. I mean, I carry 10 lines. And in my showroom right now, hanging are probably, well, over a thousand samples. And then I have books on the shelves that have samples in them. And, you know, there's just an incredible amount of choices. But, you know, I think when you say what somebody would, what I want them to ask me, I'll tell you what I want them to do, Allison. I want them to look at fabric and I want them to take their time and I want them to study it. And I want them to, you know, when they're in my showroom, I want them to do that. And I want them to do that when they're on my website. Read everything that's attached to the what you're looking for. See if there isn't other written information. You want to be the smartest guy in the room when you start to present your product. And so that means that as you go along, you need to learn about the fibers, learn about the fabrics. There, there's a lot to know and mm -hmm. a lot that you should know if you want to be a successful designer entrepreneur. Yeah, there, I agree. There's a lot to know about fabrics and, you know, you can learn that by, you know, paying attention, reading all the information, talking to someone like you, or, you know, I have conversations with my clients often as well about what fabrics would work well for the pattern and for the yield and, and for the style and all that. But some of it too, I think comes from experience. Like you'll learn from experience how things drape and how you know what designs are appropriate for what types of fabric and based on the properties you're looking for too but yeah it can so, be really helpful i think like fa the fabric can make or break a design <laughs> absolutely absolutely so picking you know i don't think anybody gets hurt with good quality mm-hmm you know, and and I, I like to think that I don't sell anything that's substandard. And I certainly make an effort to work with good suppliers that know what they're doing mm -hmm. and have good quality. So I would, you know, I think quality you really have to put on the front burner. And of course, the other thing that is the reason somebody would come visit you is if it doesn't fit, it won't sell. Mm-hmm. For sure. So... You, you don't want to skimp on your fabric or your pattern maker. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. 
I'll bet you would. But it's true, you know, that, and then this is how the business has changed. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. I grew up in the garment business and then uh, transitioned into this about 20 years ago. And so it used to be that in 1975, when we wanted to make a sample of a coat, we walked into the design room with our idea and talked to the designer and the pattern maker and said, here's here's what we think will work for us. What can you guys put together for us? And usually in 24 hours, we'd be looking at a coat that was an interpretation or sometimes just a, a direct knockoff of something that, that we had in mind or that we showed them. And today it's a little different because you're not working with garment companies. You're working with indie designers for the most part. Now that's not always true. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there are garment companies, but so the samples are something that it, they take more resources to, to supply because you don't have a pattern maker or a, on your payroll necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they hire someone like you. They they don't might not have a big inventory of fabric, so they come to me for fabric. And those are important steps. You've got to have nice fabric and you've got to have good fit. So mm-hmm. as it turns out, you and I are pretty important. <laughs> I mean, I feel like in the in this business and what I do, I really like making the like I know I've been successful in my part of the process when somebody tries it on and in my case it's I do women's wear so a woman tries it on the finished garment or the sample and smiles when she sees herself in the mirror yeah. or smiles wearing it like that's how I know I've done a good job and it's very fulfilling to help brands kind of get that fit just right so that yeah people feel good wearing it and you know look good wearing it and yeah, it's comfortable and it does what it's supposed to do as a garment and it's, you know, functional and beautiful. And if the contractor ex- ex- executes your plan correctly, mm-hmm. then your customer can end up with, you know, very nice product to sell. And in today's world, that's what is, that's, look, big box stores are leaving the door open for us. They're in a race to the bottom. Macy's, Walmart, JCPenney, whoever you want to call it, they're trying to make the least expensive product they can. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure some people would find that objectionable, but I walk into those stores and it reinforces my feeling that that quality is something that they kiss goodbye a while. And you know what you're able to do as an independent designer is provide that type of moderate to better product that really has disappeared from big box stores. Mm -hmm. Solve a specific problem for a specific customer group, I think is- Right, I have a customer who's doing a lot of people who address maternity type of Mm -hmm. applications or nursing applications, or they're making dog coats that are very specific for a breed or for, you know, a certain size or, you know, people are doing things that are very specific because the big stores, they're trying to figure out how to homogenize their inventory. Mm -hmm. In our business, we're trying to figure, we're trying to follow the- How do you differentiate it (laughs) as much as possible? You know, that's a great word to use because 
you know, I lived in New York for 10 years and sold coats on 7th Avenue. And I went to FIT at night. I had a teacher there that said something that always stuck with me. Product differentiation eliminates price competition. Mm. That's good. So I look at one of the designers I sell to. And she makes a maxi dress. You know, it's very nice. She's definitely picks beautiful fabrics, beautiful, you know, beautiful patterns. She's got very good taste. And, you know, she charges $300 and doesn't have any problem with the price at all. I think a lot of my most successful people are filling in that better market, that better or bridge market, because that's where stores are really falling down. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, you've been in this business for a long time, and I know there are designers that you've, you've worked with and supplied fabric to for years, other than kind of filling this like better quality product and you know, a little higher price point than the big box stores market. Are there any things that you see these designers who have been successful and you know worked with you for a long time? Like, what do they have in common? that you think have made them successful in the long run? Well, definitely a penchant for quality. That would be, I would say that's something that is a commonality. They're all trying to make a pretty pristine product. You know, I I think here's something else, Allison. It's kind of a, you got to be true to yourself sometimes. Now, I, I think there are some designers that they can just go for a concept that they think is commercial and that might be a good thing. But I, I, I think that if your, if, if your look or the thing that you kind of have in your soul is something that's a little more sustainable, it's got a lot of flax and a lot of organic cotton, you know, to thine own self be true. I mean, that, I think that's part of it. You have to find out what works for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't worry about copying too many other people. I, you know, I, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's the path to go on. I think mm-hmm. that you have to find something again, that product differentiation, that's what you need. Are you making something that has some function? Like some of the fabrics that I sell have UV protection. Are you trying mm-hmm. to make a cover up that has some functionality? That'd be great because the cover-ups that are going to be like in the regular store, they're not going to have wicking or they're not going to have uh, a UV protection or they're not going to have antibacterial. Those fabrics are readily available. You, Yeah, I, I just think that you have to be kind of true to yourself and to understand what's available out there. What are your advantages? What can you leverage? You know, Kendor makes a fabric that's bamboo cotton spandex. They make it in Jersey. They make it in rib. They make it in fleece. They make it in French terry. It's just great fabric. For whatever reason, it, it's just a blend. The way they blend it, it, it's just really made. It's just awesome. Yeah, and I've worked it, with that one. Right. It's soft, but it doesn't pill. It, there's a lot of great things about this fabric. And, you know, I've moved a lot of people toward that, even when they may be looking a little, because it has so much, it's been so commercially successful. So, you know, I, I think that's, you know, something I think you can get a lot from more experienced people in the business like you and like me and other people who are 
who are doing this you might want to listen to what people have to say it's not always applicable to what you're doing but uh, you should be open-minded and uh, I, I don't think it's a good thing to keep your mind too closed about about things on the other hand as a as somebody who works with designers I've seen people with some pretty crazy ideas that really worked well so <laughs> one of the companies I work with who buys pretty expensive fabric, they buy one really inexpensive cotton with a stripe in it. And I thought, well, that's very odd that they would buy that, but they found an application for it. And it looks right, it looks absolutely perfect in their collection. Hmm. So, you know, there's always great things out there. And you just, I do think there's a relationship between the amount of work you put into it and the results you get. Yeah, it sounds like really it's having that eye for quality, training training your eye for quality, um, both on the garment and the fabric side, and then being able to balance getting the, the advice and, and learning from people kind of ahead of you in business, but also staying true to like not being afraid to have some sort of wild, unique niche idea and going with it, like that can be successful too. You know, every time someone says something like that, else, and I think of one particular customer I had, I still have. Mm -hmm. And she's really talented. Every once in a while, she'll buy something and I'll, I'll go, what could she possibly be thinking of? <laughs> but she makes it work. She makes it all work. You know, mm -hmm. she's got a really, now this is what, experience has done because now this person's been in business like 12 14 years and you know they they know where to make something a, a little bit unusual mm -hmm. i do think experience is really important i think that as a newcomer sometimes if that's who's listening to this right now respect the fact that you're early on in your process doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing it doesn't mean you're a bad person but it it just means you're early on and there's experiences that you have not had yet and mm -hmm. you should stay open to those experiences. Yeah, learn from other people's mistakes where you can. <laughs> when you can. Yep. So cool. So I do want to know, Jay, are there any, like talking about quality and talking about some of these cool kind of outlier fabrics and as well as sustainability, are there any new materials or kind of hidden gem fabrics that you're really excited about at the moment? Like see well, a lot of potential. you're definitely starting to see the start of more hemp being used in fabrics. Kendor's come out with a 100% hemp shirting. They have hemp and organic cotton that's excellent. Uh, Tuscarero, Tuscarora, excuse me, it uses a lot of hemp, a lot of organic cotton, a lot of, a lot of flax, which is linen. Mm -hmm. So, I, I think these, on one side of it, these more, oh, crunchy, granola-like fabrics, I think mm -hmm. are going to have a resurgence. I thought they were really good in 2017, 2018, 2019. I think they fell off during the lockdown. People were, it was more directed toward knits and toward more comfortable. People were staying at home. They wanted mm -hmm. loungewear loungewear that kind of worked for their everyday life, you might say. Mm -hmm. Now you're starting to see a, a little bit of a comeback of... More tailored fabrics. Yeah, 
And like there's a broken twill that's very good. There's a lot in twill from both Kendor and Blue Desert, which is another lower price supplier, and and Tuscarora. There, there are a lot of classic wovens in sustainable or in natural fabrics that I think are coming on strong right now. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, doesn't I? I feel like a lot of my clients are they're definitely like lean towards natural fi fibers or you know sustainable recycled if they are, you know, they they look for the recycled if they are doing in, in, a right. synthetic. But yeah, they're I do a lot of knit stuff, cut and sew knits, but then. There seems to be more, I would agree, a little bit more of an uptick in wovens and kind of light tailoring styles that I'm, I'm starting to see brands developing at the moment. You know, as your customers go through a round or two of product, too, they're going to have a better understanding of how to make effective details on a garment. And, you know, what you want to be able to do is kind of make something out of nothing. You know, when we made coats, every once in a while we used to put a a, a pocket in the lining because it didn't mm -hmm. cost us anything to do it. You know, it was just, it came out of the extra fabric and, or we would, uh, th there's a million little things you can do. I don't sell buttons, but you can pay a little bit of attention to your buttons. Make sure you're, you know, putting something on your garments that's going to make it you're not just trying to match the color. Maybe you're trying to do something to make it stand out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Or in the way you do your, even your labels and tags, your marketing. Very important that, um, that it, you know, what do they say? That the devil's in the details. It really is. And that's really, I mean, how many times have you seen somebody make an effort and really they just miss a couple of details, but it, it makes a big deal. I will tell you one other thing in that area. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly related to what you're asking for, but when your customers go in to actually manufacture something, make sure that the factory makes you a sample that is absolutely perfect. And I can tell you that I have a very good customer, one of my very not very one of my favorite people. And they have they approved a sample where the buttonholes hadn't been put in yet. So what happened, as you can guess, the buttonholes and the buttons were not the same sizes. So they had to go and rebuy the buttons, which was costly, and they didn't exactly get the right size button that they really wanted on the garment. So you've got to make sure, I mean, if the label's a little crooked, because that's what a factory will call many times a keep sample. And they're going to try to replicate that sample. So if you've got to get a sample out of a factory that you absolutely love, mm -hmm. and if you don't make anything, you did, you know, mm -hmm. you've got to get wait, something. Wait till you've you, refined the details. Yeah, you've got to refine the details. That's exactly right. No, I totally agree that pre-production sample need, from the factory needs to have all the details on it and all correct <laughs> and don't move forward do not pass go collect two hundred dollars until you get all that all those details make, dialed in and make sure that the factory has well, their machines at the right settings and the right the right thread and the right needles being used and 
everything is how you want it for production. Yeah, and I think the other thing is every once in a while I'll get a call from a customer that needs labels and hang tags and they need them yesterday because they put their garments in production without the labels. Yep, this it's a classic one. I that's, that's it is it's classic, isn't it's it? It's classic. It's, yeah. yeah. I always tell my like it still sneaks up on people, but I that's like one of the first things I say. I'm like as we're working on the pattern and everything, you need to work on your labels. Like, you know, if we haven't finalized the fabric yet, you can wait on your care label to know exactly what, you know, content stuff to put on there. But you need to know what size and what type of label and I need to know where in the garment you want it to be. And because that that'll sneak up on you if you don't start that early. Absolutely. And let me just say that you said it was a classic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't tell you how many times it happens at least four or five times a year, I would say. Mm hmm. Well, I think people think labels go in at the end, but often they're one of the very first things get that gets sewn into a garment. And so you literally like can't start making anything until you have your labels. Well, and a lot of times a contractor won't touch a project until all the elements of the project are in their hands. Exactly. Yeah, that too. So if you're in a hurry, you don't want to be waiting on the, the on the labels and tags because that it can take a little while and sometimes you can't rush it yep so have people call you and get their label order in early they really um, do and what and what generally the process i use allison is in the beginning i try to get them to get themselves a bag of samples from mick and print usa which is who i represent and they send out a very good bag of samples and a lot of times that helps you with the development of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You can pick the size and the type of label. and Right. You yeah. see what other people are doing and you say, hey, if I had something like this, but with my logo or mm -hmm. in, in, you know, with a different colored background or whatever, it, it does help you with your thought process a little. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Same with looking at fabric samples. You, you can see what's out there, what's available. How does it feel and look? Right, right. It's not going to fall in your lap. This takes some work, and that work does not include going to the store. That's not where you're going to find your fabric that will uh, make you a commercial success. Mm -hmm. Look, fabric stores are great if you're making a dress for yourself or you're making a, you know, you know, a mother of the bride dress for somebody. If you're making an individual project. But working commercially, you want to make sure you're buying from wholesale suppliers. Definitely. Yep. Well, Jay, this has been really great. So helpful, I'm sure, to everyone listening about kind of what to expect and what to look for when sourcing their fabric. I have one question that I ask everyone at the end of the interview, which is if you could communicate one value to the world through, in your case, the work that you do with sourcing fabrics, what would it be? Well, I think being studious, you know, I mm -hmm. think, so when I, when somebody goes to my website and they really, like they read every page mm -hmm. and they read the blog, I think you'll come away from that knowing a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. I, I, and I think that's true with a number of us who have websites that can be very informative. So, you know, I would, I would say being studious is not a bad idea. Being a successful designer 
is 90% perspiration and 10% inspiration. As with a lot of things. <laughs> As with a lot of things. There's talent, but there's also a lot of hard work and, right. and dedication. Right, right. And work does pay off. So I, I, I would say that's what I would just to be, you know, just to get into those details and make sure you have everything covered and talk to some more experienced people. Going to a trade show, not a bad idea. Listening to these types of podcasts that are out there. Look, there's a lot online. Most of it's okay. Some of it not, but most of it's okay. And I I think that these kinds of podcasts can also be extremely helpful and can help with the education that will benefit uh, our clients. Yeah, for sure. And thank you for taking the time today to share your knowledge on this. I'm sure people will find it really valuable. Where can, remind everyone again, where they can read more about what you do, get in contact with you online. Sure. So I have two websites. One's the sourcingdistrict.com and the other one is interfacingandmuslin.com. Okay. And then you can also go to the sourcing district on Instagram. And my telephone numbers are 708-386-8586. I can be texted at 708-351-7278. And again, my home office showroom is in Oak Park, Illinois, and I work by appointment. And certainly I, I would invite anybody to come without obligation. Awesome. Yeah, I'll put links to those in the show notes so people can check out everything you do and come visit you and give you a call. Thank you again, Jay, for joining me. This has been really fun. Allison, thanks a lot. Hopefully I'll see you this summer in St. Louis and yeah. or at the Chicago show. And then we'll go on from there. And I appreciate you featuring me on your, on your podcast. Of course. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see you soon. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. If you'd like more episodes and resources like this about growing a fashion business that fits your customer, lifestyle, and values, send straight to your inbox. You can sign up for my email list at howfittingpatterns.com newsletter. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.